Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 18th. The Tigers are a cool 10-0. South Carolina is not going to a bowl game, and life is good. Guys, thank you for tuning in to our Week week 12 preview episode as the number one Clemson Tigers take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons in our last home game of the season. Before we get into our preview, uh, we'll touch on some college football playoff rankings that were just released yesterday. Take a look around the country, see what's been going on there after a pretty exciting weekend of football. Um... And then look at some up- upcoming college football games this weekend. Still a very good slate coming up this week, um, in addition to our preview of the Wake Forest game. Um, and then we'll also touch on Clemson basketball. We've got two regular season games under our belt. I think we know a little bit more about our team and how they've been looking. Uh, we're 2-0 there, so off to a good start. Uh, so we'll touch on that. Before we get into that, I just wanted to encourage everyone, um, please visit iTunes, throw us a quick review. Appreciate any, any words you could leave there for us and any star rating uh, you feel like we deserve. That's a great way for folks who are searching for Clemson content, you know, as we get into bowl season and selection, it's probably selection Sunday. Um, you know, people are wanting all the Clemson content they can find. And just so we can make sure they've, they find the podcast, those reviews help out. Um, you guys all know where you can find us online at SoundCloud, any of the podcasts and platforms, etc. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, ben, before we move on and get into basketball here, um, what are we working with in the beer category tonight? Well, I'm still working on the shower beer, uh, the shower keg beer. Uh, the Lagunitas, a um, little bit left over. I filled up my growler. Um, the backstory on this keg that ended up in my shower was uh, we had a work event and uh, my my like a happy hour. Like uh, it was a it was a party uh, for the office, so got a couple kegs. For this party, invited uh, other peers and uh, and stuff like that, and so everybody uh, that I work with is under the impression that oh the keg will be fine, it's pressurized, it, it'll last for for weeks, and I'm like no 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 guys, I'm like it's gonna go bad in a couple days. So yeah. I took one for the team and I, and I brought it home and to share with some friends, but didn't even come close to <laughs> to, I, to floating it. I feel like bush light you can keep in a keg for four or five days because you can ice it down a little bit, but just ice it back up, you're fine. But yeah, the taste doesn't go away, right? Because right. there is no taste to begin with. In this case, um, Lagunitas IPA has got a good got a good flavor, and it, it does start to start to slip a little bit after a few days. Um, <laughs> that being said, you've got a something yeah, a little more elegant. So, not that I'm above shower beer. We've all been there, but um, <laughs> I happened to pass by the corner market where right by Ben's apartment, and they had Pliny the Elder. Um, in the in the display case, one bottle per customer uh, per visit. So grabbed one of those. Pliny the Elder, re- really difficult to find. Um, only a select number of stores carry it. It's from Russian River Brewing Company up in um, I think they're Santa Rosa. Yeah, basically North Santa Rosa, um, California, out here. Amazing IPA. I feel like it's the gold standard of IPAs. Um, incredibly hoppy, but still really great. Eight percent ABV. So. Um, really solid beer overall. Love Pliny. Yeah, if you can find it, um, I, I don't think you can find it on the East Coast. But interesting thing is that they actually s- share their recipe. Uh, so if you have any, if we have any home uh, beer makers, uh, mm. 
you can actually go online and find the recipe for this and actually make it yourself. And again, highly recommended. It's a very in-demand beer. They don't uh, ship it very far. They only ship it to select places, both in keg form at bars on tap and in, in the bottle. Um, but yeah, we're also coming up here on February, which is when they release uh, Pliny the Younger, their triple IPA, which is uh, always changing every year. It's only released over like a two-week period out here um, during uh, San Francisco Beer Week, and it is hands down uh, the best beer that I've ever had. Nice. Well, uh, maybe next time we'll mix it up and get away from the hops, get back into some half, some wheat beers. Um, we've got interestingly kind of Christmas sales and winter seasonals also starting to hit the shelves. Um, anchor brewery out here who makes anchor steam. You guys probably have heard of that. They make an awesome Christmas sale. Um, that's one of my favorites. So we'll check those out. If you've got any suggestions for good, uh, winter brews from East coast, West coast, Midwest, we're all yours for that. So feel free to hit us up in the comments section on STS or Twitter or whatever you, whatever you guys want. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's get into Clemson basketball real quick before we move on to football. Uh, Clemson is now 2-0. Uh, we've, we've faced North Carolina Central and University of Texas San Antonio um, and won both of those games going away pretty handily um, over the last, I'd say, six-day stretch. Um, so, Ben, you want to break down these games? I know you've spent some time looking at it. You weren't able to watch them um, based on some of the uh, broadcast times and the networks that, that air these, but from what you've looked at, like what, what are your takeaways from these games? Well, I'll first say that it's it's obviously first two games of the year really hard to kind of judge, um, especially playing against uh, weaker opponents like this, but, you know, having just beaten Lenore, Lenore, is that how you say it? Le- Len- Lenore Ryan. Yeah, yeah. No, whatever. <laughs> uh, and barely in double overtime, obviously did not, uh, have, you know, give us a good feeling coming into the season. Obviously last year we had the the losses to Winthrop and Gardner-Webb early in the season, but actually really encouraged by these two outcomes. You know, Clemson put up points into the 70s, which we don't often do. Uh, that's a seems to be about double double our uh, ACC conference uh, point total from last year um, on average. Um, and then at the same time, we held both of these teams in the 40. You know, North Carolina Central only scored 40. Uh, UTSA only scored 45, which means our defense is, is right there. Um, you know, back on track, and um, it's it's just interesting to see with the changes to the shot clock and the, the pace of play that our scoring is is holding up there as the same time as our defense. Um, some of the things I've been really encouraged about um, uh, Jerron Blossom game, you know, 18 points uh, against uh, North Carolina Central, 11 points in UTSA. He's going to be, I think, a huge factor this year, and like the improvement that he's made from even last year. I mean, he made big improvement from. Uh, coming into his uh, sophomore season last year, but now as a junior, um, you know, I think he's really taking a big step. Um, and then uh, Dante Grantham, uh, you know, 11 points in the first game, 22 in the second. I think we really expect to see him come on this year. Uh, Gabe DeVoe has been making some shots, looks more confident in his offensive uh, abilities. He's still going to be uh, a work in progress on the defensive end. Yep. But, you know, we expect some uh, some good shooting and offense out of him, and hopefully we'll get that. Um, and then finally here, I guess Landry Noko, uh, the offensive end still hasn't been doing that great, but you know he's he's been blocking, um, and his fouls have really been down. Uh, I think he only had uh, maybe three fouls through the first two games, which was a huge issue for him last year. But you know that's obviously a huge improvement to keep him in there because. 
you know, Siji Jate, he's going to improve. Uh, Smith is going to improve, but they're not going to replace Noko. We really yeah. need that our um, our post game, our low post uh, score in Noko to to be more effective. And he's really the only guy I see on the team that can do that. And I think that let's hope that does continue as we start to face you know tougher competition. Um, I think an experienced coach is going to know what Noko means to this team and kind of go after him, and especially with their more experienced players. So, yeah, good good sign to see that off the bat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, I think it's maybe actually just two fouls in each of his first two games. But in either case, he's not fouling out, so that's good. Um, a- Avery Holmes, good to see him finally get in there. You know, he's come in as what, uh, you know, his reputation has been a good three-point shooter. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that his uh, he's only two of nine from three on the season. However, the positive side only one turnover to seven assists, which you know taking care of the ball is obviously going to be a huge factor, especially with a sped up offense losing those five seconds in the shot clock. Yep. Um, so, but I think you know he'll come into his own. It's not like he hasn't played good competition before. Again, he was out here playing for USF. And he played against the likes of uh, Gonzaga, BYU, and St. Mary's. So he's mm-hmm. played against stiff competition. So I think he's getting his feet wet. He's getting used to playing in this system. His three-point percentage and his shot will start to turn around. Um, you know, kind of the last thing, uh, Legend Roberton, I think he's really going to be able to help on D. Um, his offense is still a liability, I, I think, at this point. Obviously, not being able to see him play, it's hard to tell. But... It would be great if he could, we could figure out these eligibility issues and get him some playing time before we get into conference play. Maybe elsewhere around the country, I know this is two days ago, is basically the Midnight Madness. They had continuous games over, I forget what hour period, maybe 24-hour period. But um, the two big matchups was um, Kentucky-Duke and then Kansas-Michigan State. Both those were pretty exciting games, more so the latter. Uh, Duke, unfortunately, our ACC, I mean, unfortunately, depending on what your stance on Duke is, um, they fell to Kentucky. You know, Kentucky were world beaters last year. They turned over most of that roster, but um, Coach Cal definitely recruits well there. Uh, I feel like Duke, they might be, you know, they're definitely going to be down. They lost Justice Winslow. They lost um, a number of guys to the draft, but they'll be back. I don't think losing to Kentucky here is cause for concern among the ACC. And frankly, North Carolina is a team that, is really they're number one in the country they might be the class of the conference this year well yeah well this is why these elite teams play these games early in the season is to get stiff competition early because it's only going to help them when it comes tournament time they don't care about a loss in, in something like this the loss is not going to hurt them down the road uh either duke or kansas that lost in in these games could end up being number one at some point in this season like the one loss is not going to keep them from that because yeah. it's college basketball it's very unlikely anybody goes undefeated and even if they do, like Kentucky, you know, has the ability to obviously doesn't mean they're going to run the table in the tournament and win the national championship. So, uh, no, I, I think, you know, if Clemson was on a higher level of basketball, I think it'd be great for us to play some high profile games. But it, I don't think it's helpful for us at this point to get slaughtered yeah. <laughs> by, by one of these great teams this early. But for these four elite teams, I think it's it's very helpful. And that's why you see them play these games year in and year out. Well, and on Twitter, you see tons of criticism of college hoops. Like, why are they starting to play in, like, early, mid-November? Um, the season's too long. No one, no one really gives a crap about this until after football. And I, I'm in that camp myself. But it, what they need to do more of is scheduling these type of games to draw the eye, to grab our attention early. 
and that you can kind of go back to and say like, oh, when tournament time comes when it's like the Sweet 16 and Kansas is going to play Michigan State again, let's say in the Sweet 16 or something, you can go back to this early season matchup and see what we learned there. Well, from a market marketability standpoint, from like the likes of like ESPN or even the schools and the conferences themselves, you don't want to throw away half your season um, just oh, uh, conceding it to right. football, right? Because mm-hmm. you are competing with that. But if you can have these high caliber games against these, you know, top teams, it's going to get attention. So it's good to have this um, this interesting matchups early on in the season, and I think it's perfectly logical for them to do this. I think that's that's why it's nice. Clemson has the built-in rivalry with South Carolina. We can play that game in the early stretch. Um, of course, for us, it's good to have the cupcake games, um, you know, like UNCC and UTSA early. But I feel like UTSA is a team you always see in the in the NCAA tournament. Also, like like the 16 seed. Yeah, of course. From but... Whatever conference they're in. <laughs> right. Um... They're not even a mid-major. They're a <laughs> sub-major, but mid-minor. Um, well, anyway, that's we'll keep taking a look at the basketball team guys and um we'd like to actually farm this out a little bit and bring in some guest speakers um in in an interview setting to talk about basketball so stay tuned for that but uh good to get off off to a two and oh start yeah i mean i think honestly that you know going forward this year so far what we're seeing uh holds true that our field goal percentage is pretty good our three-point percentage has been good and our free throw percentage has been good. So across the board, shooting has been pretty good so far. We know what Brad Brownell teams are going to bring with the defense, but if we can actually get some of these guys like Holmes Grantham. And, and Grantham yeah. and DeVoe, and then if a Blossom Games shooting ability um, you know, has improved, then that's what we've been needing from this Clemson team is offense. Defense has never been a question. So it's exciting to see the start of the season. Obviously, we haven't really played tough competition. We'll have to see how it um, rounds into shape going forward, but you know, so far better than being Owen to. Absolutely. And I think, uh, we also saw KJ McDaniels, his contract was activated with the, um, Houston Rockets. They fired their coach, um, just yesterday, Kevin McHale, but, uh, he's, he's gonna be playing the league, obviously Trevor Booker too. So we'll keep an eye on those guys as well. But let's move on to football. Um, just yesterday, the college football playoff committee released their, third ranking of the season and once again clemson came through at number one alabama in at number two ohio state three notre dame four um, and then iowa is still at number five so those top five didn't change this week even though kind of all throughout the rest of the top 10 there was a lot of pandemonium um, and mayhem there i feel like alabama all weekend i was like oh man you know against syracuse we may have done just enough to get kind of knocked out of that top spot but I think what I'm seeing from the committee here, both in where they're keeping Iowa, where they're, they moved Oklahoma State into the sixth spot, they kept us at number one, they kept Ohio State at number three. I think they are looking at undefeated teams and saying, like, that that's important. There's value in that. I mean, of course there is. Um, and they're, they're basically rewarding that. Um, obviously, Alabama with one loss is ahead of three or four no-loss teams, but um, Bama's looking really good. They may be, they may look like the top team in the country at the moment. Yeah. So it's, you know, Jeff Long, the, the committee chairman, he actually said there was discussion about whether or not Clemson or Alabama should be number one. Um, ultimately the vote, uh, tilted in Clemson's favor, which I can understand seeing how we came off against Syracuse. But sometimes when I start to think about this kind of on a deeper level and take away the fact, you know, that 
that Alabama is a has a you know history a story to a football program and you take away that prestige and you just look at their schedule I'm not so certain I mean their best win is LSU and I would argue that our win against Notre Dame uh, was better that better than that and maybe even Florida State so you know it's funny it's like David Pollock on ESPN he commented that you know if you don't pay attention to Alabama's loss their resume looks really good well how can you not pay attention to their loss i mean what are the, the job of this committee is to evaluate the entire body of work losses and comment. all yeah it's ridiculous okay so if we lose to wake forest we'll just throw that one out and we should stay number 1 right if you don't look at our loss yeah i mean so- I, obviously nick saban's going to get benefit of the doubt here and i think you also see that with ohio state um, we haven't you know in terms of I don't think they've beaten a single current top 25 team. There was another team in the top 10 that um, had a similar resume at, the, at this moment. But basically, yeah, I mean, I do think Ohio State and Alabama certainly are. They're capable. They're strong teams. They play well. Statistically, they look really good. But that being said, like, um, they're getting a lot of benefit of past work. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine. Like, I think Alabama should be in the top four. I know Ohio State should be in the top four, but... Don't back it up with stupid comments like don't don't take their loss because sure. if you don't look at their loss, I mean that's that's just ridiculous. And then like I think it was Desmond Howard that said, "Oh, and the Notre Dame lost to Clemson in the rain." Well, Clemson beat Notre Dame in the rain. It was it was raining on Clemson's side of the field too. It was raining when Clemson had the ball. Like don't give me this 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 BS that Notre Dame it was raining. That's and not that's a de facto why, win. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. And by the way, I'll mention that we had a pretty big lead over Notre Dame, and it had it been dry conditions, our play calling would have been different, and that game wouldn't have been as close. Well, we may get another shot at those guys. Um, they're currently in. We'll see if their strength of schedule holds up. Um, it took a hit this past weekend with Stanford losing and um, Temple losing as well. So. Um, they're going to need Navy to keep their foot on the gas and they're going to need to beat Stanford and hopefully Stanford, that win will actually mean something, but, um, plenty to dissect here. And I, you know, I also, I almost also feel like, look, it's November 18th. None of this matters at this point. I think for us, um, if we were outside, if we were in position five, I would be pretty concerned here because we've only got one more ranked opponent ahead of us, North Carolina, who, um, on the, on the surface, you know, yes, they, they crept up here. What are they now? Like number 17, um, they're, you know, they're continuing to improve their case and, um, you know, Jeff Long in his comments to Kirk Herbstreet and those guys was saying like, yeah, their loss to South Carolina is holding them back. Um, so I don't know how you can kind of let Bam off the hook roll miss, but then penalize UNC. Exactly, especially since that was North Carolina's first game of the season. And I'll remind you of Ohio State losing early in the season last year to Virginia Tech, and yet they still go on to get ranked and ultimately win the national championship. Granted, North Carolina's body of work outside of that loss to South Carolina, they haven't played a really tough schedule. Right. But at the same time, don't use that excuse. Yeah. I mean, you you, you got to apply whatever, you're, whatever metric you're using to all the teams, not just based on their, their history as a program or what conference they're in. Yeah. Um, so I really would have expected to see North Carolina move up higher in the poll, as was reflected. And I think both the AP and the coaches, I think they both moved up. To, they were moved up to 12 in both of those polls. Well, we'll talk about, let's talk about UNC for a moment. They're, everyone's penciling them in as the coastal champion, as they'll face us, you know, on a hot streak and as an undefeated, or as an undefeated in the ACC uh, team at, they'll at that point be uh, 11 and one. So, that's not necessarily going to be the case. I mean, they still have two pretty difficult road games ahead of them. 
They go to Virginia Tech this week in Blacksburg. This is Frank Beamer's last home game of his long and storied career there. Um, you better believe that fan base will be up for it, and hope, I imagine their, their players will as well. Um, and then in rivalry week, quote-unquote, they um, travel across town to Raleigh to face NC State. And we know that NC State can hang with a high-powered offense. Um, you know, whether NC State's defense can contain um, Marquise or not remains to be seen, but I don't know that that's necessarily a cakewalk. Yeah, so I honestly think that North Carolina is probably the lowest-ranked uh, team that has a possibility of moving into the top four if they win out. Um, I'd say Houston is another one, but... See, I, I don't I don't think so, because... I mean, Again, for either of those to get in, though, they're going to need tons of help. Yeah, no, I mean, everything has to fall into place for North Carolina, but I can see everything falling into place and them winning out to where they're the lowest-ranked team. Now, I think the most likely scenario would be a, a Baylor team to win out. They got at Oklahoma State coming up this week, at TCU, and then versus uh, Texas at home. And the interesting thing with... Uh, that thing with Texas at home is that that's actually on the same weekend as all the conference championships. Okay. So with the, what the Big 12 has done here, without having a conference championship game, they're playing games on that co- uh, that conference championship Saturday. And you notice that all their schedules are backloaded. I think this is a strategic move. Sure. To to backload their schedules with all the best teams in the conference. To try to look like, you know. So at least one comes yeah, out. Have, have, have a good win late. Yeah, and you right. start impressing late instead of winning them earlier and everybody forgets about you. Then you don't have a conference championship and you don't know who should be let in. So this is the Big 12's move, I think, to, to get their way in without having that championship game. So I think Baylor has the best opportunity because you possibly could be looking at here at two of the big five conferences being left out if Notre Dame sneaks in and the Pac-12 and Big 12 get left out. Yeah, which that would ruffle tons of feathers. I mean, I don't know if the Big 12 has a, a bone to pick with Notre Dame getting in because they themselves don't have that um, you know conference championship game and a way of determining who the true champion of their league is. Um, so, And I think the Pac-12 has shot several holes in its own foot. Well, yeah, and at the same time here, I mean, uh, just like in the Pac-12, uh, these Big 12 teams could cannibalize themselves. And right. Through these next three weeks of game, they could all end up with two losses apiece from the top teams, yeah. depending I think, on how it plays out. I think my prediction is you're going to see OU handle, um, I think they play TCU this week, and then Baylor, I think Oklahoma State's going to be Baylor. They get them at home in Stillwater. So that Bedlam game, which is going to be rivalry week um, when we play South Carolina, that is going to be for all the marbles, so to speak, in the Big 12. We'll see if um, if OU can win their next two games. You know that's going to be a pretty impressive way of ending, despite losing to Texas. Now, what do you do if you're the committee? And when the dust settles, you've got one loss Oklahoma, one loss Notre Dame. Notre Dame killed Texas. I think Texas is that obviously that yeah. one common opponent between them, and yeah, that could be what ultimately hoses the uh, the Big Twelve. So I, it could be that the Big Twelve's only shot here is uh, outside of getting a ton of help. Um, their only way of controlling their destiny is if Oklahoma State, the Cowboys, run the table. I honestly think that, that the Big 12 gets left out again, and that conference is going to have to take a serious look. They at, need to add at, two more teams. Adding some teams and getting a championship yeah. game, whether that's just pulling in a really bad SMU team led by Chad Morrison. I don't For know, now. And somebody else. <laughs> Houston. I, do you want to fill it up with teams from Texas, though? That's, I don't think the other Big 12 schools in Texas are going to like that. Well, and I don't know what the story is with buyouts in the American Conference, but um, I mean, granted, 
Big 12, they're deep pocketed with Texas and Oklahoma and everybody. They can pay it, but um, do you do you even look at some FCS schools? East Carolina, point? maybe? That's yeah, it a, could that, be. That's I a mean, solid you, FBS school that's been... They've broken, think, the, they've broken the geog- geographical barrier by adding West Virginia, yeah. so they could go that far east. Yeah, potentially. Um, cool. Well, maybe elsewhere, I mean, just to talk about who who might be a little bit overrated by the committee at this point or, or nationally. A lot of people are talking up Michigan state sneaking back into it. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, they'd have to beat Ohio state this week. Um, and then they'll, they'll be able to make it into that, um, big 10 championship game against presumably Iowa, unless Iowa stumbles against the Nebraska. And then I think it would be Wisconsin that gets in. What is Iowa doing? Where'd they come from? Take a look at their schedule. I, I, I mean, it's explain that to people. So, Iowa. Michigan State, so point I was getting to, by the advanced stats, the F-plus, which is a combo of um, FEI and the S&P, both two kind of advanced stats, ways of looking at teams and, um, you know, stacking them up against one another outside of human-based polls. Um, They've got Bama number one, the F-plus, Clemson's number two, Oklahoma's three, Notre Dame's four, OSU five, Michigan's six. Michigan State's all the way down at 15th. Oklahoma State is all the way down at 16th by advanced stats. UNC's 18. Okay, that kind of jives with, with the committee's um, rankings. So it looks like Michigan State and Oklahoma State are very very much overrated. And number five, Iowa, 23 when it comes to advanced stats. I think part of that is the schedule they've played as well as just what they've done in those games. It seems like they've had to escape from a lot of those a lot of those games against much lesser opponents in the basically what amounts to the Big Ten West. So. Um, anyway, I, yeah, do I expect Iowa to sneak through undefeated? Not at all, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. I mean, their best win looks to be at, uh, you know, a ranked, but not necessarily good Wisconsin team. They beat them on the road 10 to six. They also beat uh, Northwestern on the road. I think, I don't think Northwestern Wisconsin just seems to get, they are. seems to get like all kinds of benefited out again. It's. Barry Alvarez, he's on the committee. Yeah, it's perception, too. It's perception. It's kind of prestige. They're not a good football team. And when you get into the 20s, it's sort of like, yeah, sure, let's throw this school in there. Like, you're going to pick a revolving them door. Name. 20 to 25 is a revolving it, door from week to week. To me, that's not a ranked win, basically. Yeah. Like, you know, talk to me about what you've done against teams in the top 10, top 15. And if your only win is against a team at 25 or 24 you know, you're suspect. And also so, at the end of the season, let's go back and take a look to see if uh, their wins over Northwestern and Wisconsin, if those two teams are actually ranked at the end of the season. Well, they play each other this weekend. Yeah. Those two. So, I mean, it's, yep. it's fine if they were 19 and, and then 20 when you beat them, but at the end of the year, where they ultimately end up ranked, that's a reflection of their body of work throughout the season. And it's very possible that by the end of the year, Iowa could have beaten no currently ranked teams. Yep. Going into the Big Ten cha- championship game, at least. Well, I think you're likely to see these rankings shuffle quite a bit this weekend with some of these matchups going on. So, um, you know, definitely keep our eye on this Wake Clemson game, which we'll preview in a moment here. But we'll have our eye on a few others. Um, I think the big one for us, though, is that UNC at Virginia Tech game. That's going to be one that I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, what other games, I guess, we can kind of pull up the round, co- round college football schedule? Um, do you think are you most excited to watch, Ben? Um, I think the Baylor-Oklahoma State is going to be a big game, and also the Michigan State at Ohio State. I expect Ohio State to win that game, um, but 
look, let's let's take a look at this. If if Ohio State loses this game at Michigan State, I think that opens the possibility of the Big Ten being left out of the college football playoff. Especially so, if, yeah, I mean, if depends who. If Iowa gets a loss between now and the championship game, one loss keeps Iowa out, no doubt in my out. mind. Yeah. If Ohio State loses to Michigan State and the Michigan State loses to a Michigan team, then the Big Ten is getting left out. And then so then we're talking about the Pac-12 would get left out, the uh, Big 12 could get left out, uh, the ACC could get left out if Clemson loses. So it's it's really an interesting uh, yeah. landscape in college football right now about who's going to get in. And I guess we all just assume the SEC is going to get one team one way or the other. They will figure out how to wiggle somebody in there. I mean, my best case scenario is Florida State beats Florida, Florida beats Alabama, or maybe Auburn rises yeah. up again and punches them in the mouth in the Iron Bowl. All, all this to say, nothing's etched in stone at this point with just two regular season games left, three for some Big 12 schools, and then the conference championship games. Like, there's still a lot of meaning, meaningful football left to be played that's going to really kind of write the script on who gets into the college football playoff. Um, so number three, Notre Dame, they go to Boston College. Actually, they play at Fenway Park this weekend in one of the gimmicky stadium games. <clears throat> we mentioned TCU is at Oklahoma. Um, TCU is going to be without um, Doxon, their wide receiver. They're saying Boykin might play in this game, but I don't think it's going to matter. I think OU is just on a roll right now, so... Um, that'll probably be a little less interesting. Um, Alabama faces the fierce Charleston Southern football team. Hey, the Charleston Southern Buccaneers, okay? They're actually 9-1 and one on the year, so this is not a pushover game. Granted, they play in the FCS. little fun fact, my father, Chuck Welty, is actually in the Charleston Southern University Athletic Hall of Fame. He okay. helped start up their football program, I think it was like back in the early 80s or late 70s when they were just a club football program. So... I'll have an eye on this game. You know, I think Alabama has a lot to to, to go for here in running up the score to try to, to out, uh, I guess, be more impressive than Clemson when Clemson plays Wake Forest. Um, but Charleston Southern is probably, this is their best year ever in college football. So it may be closer than most people think. Fair point. Well, uh, go Buccaneers, I suppose. Um, and then upstart Citadel heads to Columbia to play South Carolina. What do we think? Any chance for an upset? Well, are, are the Cox looking ahead? Uh, I think the Gamecocks could be looking ahead a little bit. And the Citadel is also not a bad football program. And unlike Charleston Southern, who has to travel from Charleston to Tuscaloosa, the Citadel only has to travel from Charleston up I-26 to Columbia. Um, and then, yeah, I think South Carolina could be looking ahead to Clemson. And also, they've, they're busy, uh, you know signing petitions to get the Clemson noon game changed because so much is on the line and at stake for them. Although we'll point out that the Citadel game is also at noon and there's not a peep about that. Well, I, I think what I, what's hilarious about that petition is not just that it exists and that we've heard about this, but all they want to do is change the time. Um, I think Larry Williams tweeted brilliantly, yeah, let's change the time. Let's move it to 9 a.m. Eastern. That'd be great. Um, at least, I mean, just ridiculous. Like, yeah, that, that school down there isn't known for their academics. It's true. Or their arithmetic. <laughs> um, well, yeah, again, it should be a very exciting Saturday slate of games. Oh, by the way, I'm calling it upset in that game. Sit it all over South Carolina. Mark it down. I still think uh, South Carolina, even with a depleted team, with an interim coach, I'll predict a close win for the Gamecocks to counter that. They have proven I'm hedging, though. 
they have proven to have, or they have had close wins uh, against very bad teams in recent years, even when they were a pretty good football team. I see the perfect storm coming together in this game. <laughs> I'm calling it. Citadel over South Carolina. Go Bulldogs. Cool. Well, uh, let's get into the main event here. Let's talk about Clemson hosting Wake Forest. Um, Wake is coming off a loss on the road to Notre Dame, uh, 28 to seven. I did not watch this game. I watched a few of the recaps and read up on it. Apparently, um, it looked like, I mean, that score is not indicative of the game. Um, Wake outgained Notre Dame on offense, 340 yards to 282. They held Notre Dame, which is a pretty high power team to 282 yards of offense. So that tells you a little bit about their D that was on the road as well. Um, Wake also had a couple of goal to go um, drives stall and ended up with, I think, zero points there on those. So, you know, you in one of those turnover on downs, the next play resulted in a 95 yard touchdown. So this easily could have been a closer game against a very good Notre Dame team in their house. Um, so that tells you a little bit about the grit of Wake Forest and what we should expect coming in. But they're three and seven, one and five in the ACC. Um, when I look at this team and what I, what I hear about their head coach and where they are as a program, Dave Clawson is leading the charge over there. I don't think this is the Wake team that we've come to expect as kind of the doormat of the ACC Atlantic. Certainly their record would indicate that, and they're probably going to end up with a similar record that they had last year. Um, but if Clemson fans will remember, last year we, f- we played these guys late in the season on a Thursday night and went into the fourth quarter. This game was like a one-score game pretty late. Of course, we are a completely different team now. Uh, we don't have Cole Stout at the helm. We've got Deshaun Watson. But um, anyway, I think you know this is a Wake team that isn't dangerous necessarily, but they're certainly not you know pushovers. Yeah, well, and the crazy thing about their Notre Dame game is that um, those 282 yards of Notre Dame's, a third of those came on one long play. So it's actually really shocking that that game was um, really played out like it did. I would have expected Notre Dame to play a lot better. It really has me interested in seeing how uh, Notre Dame plays against uh, Boston College um, this week. But uh, yeah, getting back to Wake Forest, they're actually kind of really excited about what Dave Clawson is doing with with the program. He's... He's built some programs up uh, from the bottom up. Their 2015 recruiting class was uh, uh, ranked the highest in school history, albeit I think it was like 49th on rivals. But, you know, still, at least for them, they're, they're yeah. making moves. Uh, so they're actually really excited about the direction uh, this team is going. And, you know, I think going into this game, you know, this is going to be a young team with nothing to lose. And we're going to see them be aggressive and take some chances. And that can really... Um, you know, that can really keep a game close against uh, a much better opponent. We, we saw North Carolina pull, come out with some formations on offense uh, that confused us that we hadn't seen before, and Syracuse did the same thing. NC so, State. Uh, NC State? Right. NC State and Syracuse also right. did the same mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I would expect Wake Forest here. We might see some of that as well, some wrinkles in their offense. And again, they're going to take some chances. They've got nothing to lose at this point. They've only got three wins of the season. They're not going bowling. Yeah, and what's interesting, I mean, I don't think the game will play out identically to Notre Dame. We're just different teams, um, and I think our defense is better than Notre Dame's. But um, Wake won the time of possession battle by 11 minutes, and they had eight more first downs in ND. Um, so, you know, if, if Clemson gets into that, that type of game where our offensive playmakers are on the sideline, Wake's extending drives, you know, they're outgaining us, et cetera. Um, that could be, that can make for a long afternoon in Death Valley on senior day. 
Yeah, and we we really don't want that to be the case. We talked about this last time in the um, the recap of the Syracuse game. Like this needs to be a game where we get out quick to an early lead and we start to get um, our second and third teamers in there to give the first string guys some rest because at this point in the season, our bye week was so long ago. Um, you need to be able to handle these these bad teams and number one, get some experience for the second and, and third teamers. But but to just to rest your starters, they need it at this point. I agree with you. I think even more important than that, though, we need to get back to playing dominant all phases of the game, winning football with a complete performance. And I think we saw that obviously against Miami. Um, I would say we actually outclass Florida State in all three phases. Um, well, special teams pretty good. We'll give Hugo the game ball there on special teams um, in that Florida State game, but. Yeah, against Syracuse, we kind of took a step back, had a letdown. Let's show the world that was an aberration. It was kind of a, you know, the Carrier Dome is a tough place to play. Syracuse, um, as much crap as we give Schaefer, they're pretty well coached. So um, I think, you know, we need a, a dominant overall performance here is what I'm looking for, even more so than, yeah, let's let's get out to an early lead and, and rest our guys. Um, I'd like to have our linebacker core just come out and, you know, I guess we could get into what we're looking at here on defense um, in particular since they've been a, a bit shaky recent, in recent weeks. But, um, you know, see some of our linebacker play improve the way that we've been talking about them needing to do in coverage, in pursuit, not getting out of position. Um, yes, it'd be great to get Ben Bullard and, and BJ Goodson, um, you know, have them not play the fourth quarter. I don't see that as happening. I just not because I'm predicting a close game, but I just think, you know, we've shown that we're going to play those guys a full 60. So, you know, if they're going to be out there, I'd like to see them continue to improve and hit their assignments. Yeah, and now we're hearing that uh, Kendall Joseph is going to be out uh, for this game going through the concussion pro protocol. So that really limits our depth as well. And that's unfortunate because that's a guy we want to see get in there and, and get some more playing time to, to help build our depth at that position. You know, earlier in the season, I was thinking that, that Goodson and Blanks and uh, Bullware needed to be out there a lot uh, because we had very little depth there. Now I'm seeing, um, you know, as the season progresses, that they need some rest. Like, I think just mentally and physically, when you're out there playing every play, it really starts to wear you down. And you do start uh, making some mental errors, whether it be with your assignments, you don't have the energy to get off blocks, as we've seen be an issue recently. Um, so again, I think it would really be great to get out to a big lead in this game and just give some guys some rest, but, but ultimately we do need to see much improved play from the linebackers and, you know, I, I hope it starts in the Wake Forest game and we really see some progression uh, going through the ACC championship game and then we let bowl practice, um, have its effect and see what happens if we make the playoffs. I think something that we've seen manifest itself in recent weeks is, um, our, our team's actually played really good team defense overall um limiting number number of points scored in the second half of games um maintaining our helping our offense maintain the lead and kind of do its thing um statistically we're number one in third down conversion percentage like defending that um in the country number six in tackles for loss i think that goes to um, effectiveness and aggressiveness of that linebacker core and of our d line um but we've been burned in recent weeks on explosive plays. Everyone remembers the Dalvin Cook play. NC State got a few off. Syracuse on the, basically their, it's probably their uh, second offensive possession last week. So um, 
yeah, I mean, all of those things, like let's continue to force three and outs, get teams into third and longs. That's something I think we're going to be able to do against this Wake Forest offense. Um, but I think controlling the explosive play is something that, you know, I don't know how you coach up. I think it is just being incredibly focused and disciplined and not too aggressive. Um, maybe you do even seed a couple, you know, a shorter, maybe let them have a three-yard run into a four-yard run so you don't allow a 75-yard touchdown run, that kind of thing. Well, I don't know. I would argue against that because I think that's where our bread and butter has been this year. You know, you see those uh, ranked six in tackles for loss. I think that directly leads to that being number one in third down conversion percentage because when we get teams stuffed uh, with, uh, you know, long, uh, you know, third downs, um, you know, conversion opportunities, like your percentage goes incrementally, you know, down, uh, each uh, extra yard you have to get on third down there. So, you know, if we're going to give up, if we're going to be a bend but don't break defense, we've seen Clemson kind of be successful in that before. Obviously, we'd rather be like how we were last year where we just stuffed you every single time. Sure. But, you know, we've that's s- not this team. Yeah, we've yeah. seen this team play well in the rev zone and, and, you know, come up with big plays on fourth and ones. Um, so, you know, if that's our identity at this point, you know, we know what we do best. And that's number one in third down conversion percentage and all the things that lead up to that, which means long down a distance on third down. Yeah. So if, if let's keep doing that and let's try to improve in the other areas to really, um, you know, you know, wholly as a whole, be a better unit. And I think that does that fair enough. And I think I agree with you, but I think when we start to play more teams with explosive playmakers on the offense, that's where we could potentially get exposed. You know, you've got Ezekiel Elliott at Ohio State. You've got Braxton Miller. My God, that guy's now a receiver. Um, Alabama, you know, Henry is incredible. He's a Heisman candidate. Uh, in terms of these teams, and we might even match up again against Notre Dame. I mean, I think we've got, we're in a particularly good spot to rematch against them. But at the same time, they've improved quite a bit. I think Kaiser's incredible. So um, that explosive play tendency of ours, I, I would still like to see us clamp down on that a bit. And I think that comes from, you know, just hopefully acknowledging that that, that that the case may be there and what can we do with our safety play, let's say, to kind of contain that. But um, yeah, anyway, I, think we'll the, see. I, I think the scheme of the defense is important there. And Venables has proven that he does get creative. I'm kind of concerned that we haven't seen that, start to see that play out, especially from North Carolina State moving forward. Um, you know, but overall, aside from the big running plays, for the most part, we've really been stuffing the run at the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and secondary play has been amazing. And we, we haven't really gotten burned in the secondary with, with big plays. No. Um, and I think I think a large part of that, we know what, what McKenzie Alexander can do. Cordrea Tankersley really coming on um, this year. I mean, he's played fantastic. And he's really, he's been kind of a shutdown corner as well in his own right. Uh, so and Yeah, he's a lot more like defending the ball. Like he's, he's more active, I guess. Yeah. Like Mac is dominant by subtraction. You know, they're not throwing at him. But... Tank is in there on plays, making picks, swatting balls away. And part of that is, too, we haven't played a lot of good passing teams this year either. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I think... We're not really talking about Wake here, I guess. We're talking about just generally where this defense needs what, to improve. But What are you, talk, just, what are you talking about Wake? What's there to... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> We've got three um, wins on the air. Yep. Um, yeah, but, well, I guess if we do want to get into Wake here... Um, this is a situation where we that we've seen before and we haven't uh, been great at defending where they're coming in, they've been playing two quarterbacks all year um, between yeah. uh, uh, John Wolford and Kendall Hidden. Uh, Hidden is more of a, uh, 
he relies on his running ability more, and he actually did not attempt to pass in Notre Dame at all. But he has six rushing TDs on the season. Um, so that's a factor. So it's kind of a game when you go in and you don't know. We, we saw what, what Mahoney did last week too, right? Like with his feet or with yeah, his legs. Yeah, so. exactly. And we thought he was a downgrade uh, from their normal freshman starters. So even these lesser teams, you know, they come in and they kind of have a wrinkle at quarterback or something like that. It seems to be stumping us up a little bit. So we'd like to see that improve in this game. Definitely. And one of the, I read the STS kind of interview series back and forth Q and A's with, um, it's basically on the name of the Wake Forest blog right now, but you guys should all go read that. Ryan Cantor from STS um, interviewed um, the lead blogger. It's Blogger So Dear is uh, the name of the, the Wake Forest blog. Um, interviewed their guy, and then he went on their blog. But effectively, that guy said, like, the, the bright spot of this offense actually are their receivers. Young receivers. It's actually a young team overall, um, but definitely their receivers are um, a you know, bright spot of this offense. Uh, the targets there, the household names are going to be Court, is it Cortez Lewis and KJ Brent, it looks like. So, um, again, I think we've shown in recent weeks against probably much more skilled talent in the receiving game that we can shut those teams down. Florida State comes to mind. Um, I, I feel pretty good about this. If that's kind of their bright spot, I, I feel good about us being able to defend and contain them. Um, yeah, and so kind of on top of that, too, they're tight in. Uh, Cam Serenier. Um, he actually leads the team in reception, so I think this is an inter- interesting spot to, t- to keep an eye on, especially with how teams have been picking on Ben Boulware and our other linebackers in coverage. So a tight end, you're typically going to see them come across the middle more, or that is the linebacker's assignment when they're going down the field. Yeah. So let's keep an eye on that. There's some possibility for some big play opportunities in that aspect of the game for Wake Forest. Yep. Uh, what do you know about their rushing game? Uh, not much going on there. Their uh, leading rusher, Tyler Bell, um, only has 3.4 yards of carry average on the season. They don't have strong offensive line play, which really leads to that. And again, I think that goes back to where our uh, our defensive line, for the most part, has really been stuffing the run at the line of scrimmage this year. So don't expect that to be a factor. Their red zone offense as a team has been very poor. So honestly, they really shouldn't put up a lot of points. I mean, this is a game, and we thought this going into Syracuse, uh, and it didn't turn out this way, but this should still be a game where our defense dominates. There's really no excuse for them not to. Exactly. And I think even if even if there are a couple of lapses there, maybe a big player too, it should not be something. I just don't see this offense even hanging with us like Syracuse did. Bottom line, across the board, we need to see improvement on the defense. Uh, let's, let's, I guess let's worry less about Wake Forest, what they can do, because honestly, it's not much. Um, let's look at what we, we end up doing, how we look against a lesser opponent coming off of a not so great performance against, again, a lesser opponent. Yep. Um, maybe one last note on the defense. Um, we mentioned that, um, we mentioned the injuries, um, to Kendall Joseph and, um, it looks like Jeff Gibson as well. Um, Mackenzie Alexander is day to day. They're basically going to be game time decisions. I think that's a, um, sigh of relief that I'm breathing here, at least on, on Mac's side. It seems like his MRI turned out well and wasn't anything more serious. Um, it looks like the same status will be true of, of Wayne Gallman as well. So um, injury-wise, I think we're you know in fairly good shape on the defensive side um, at this point. Let's flip it over to the offense, though. I think when Clemson's got the ball, um, this is something we've, we've um, you know, got... 
the Gallman injury from last week, he'll be day-to-day. He may not see as many carries as, as he otherwise would. So I think from what we're looking for, this is where we might see a little bit more of Zach Brooks. And we did see him play a pretty prominent and effective role in the Syracuse game. He's really had a great year, I think, for, for Brooks. Um, I think he's also going to participate in some of the senior day activities since he recently opted in as a senior. So um, that'll be exciting for him, and maybe he gets a spark out of that in this game. Yeah, I really look for this to kind of be his game. I mean, again, like you said, it is senior day. Gallman's a little banged up. Um, we got some replacements on the offensive line, you know, with, with Crowder out and then Joe Gore um, not starting. So uh, uh, for Morgan, uh, for Morgan, sorry, and Maverick Morris, uh, you know, we'll get a lot of playing time in this game. So I, I think as we saw kind of Gallman against Syracuse get stuffed up the middle, um, you know, this could be a game where it's better for Zach Brooks and use his speed to get to the outside. So I would expect to see him a lot more in this game, especially being senior day and really hoping for him to kind of have his uh, swan song, so to speak, at home, it, uh, you know, if we're assuming he's not coming back next year. Yeah, and you mentioned um, Joe Gore is not going to be starting this game. He, Dabo announced he had a, a personal issue um, come up this week, so he's not going to practice uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. He might come back to the team on Friday, but um, he's slated to play. We don't know what the nature of that is, but he's not going to be starting, which is interesting. Makes it seem somewhat disciplinary in that in that context. But um, Gore's not going to start. We'll get Fru Morgan in his spot, and it seems like Maverick Morris will continue to re- play replacement to Crowder, who will be out again this week. We also know that uh, Ray Ray McLeod is out, which that hurts us not only from a weapon and playmaker on offense but also in the special team return game um hopefully this is just precautionary we'll get both of those guys back for south carolina and definitely the acc title game but um you know not not great news to see those guys out and not be able to get back and get reps yeah i think it's all precautionary for them and kind of to hold them out for uh more meaningful games uh, specifically starting with south carolina i think uh it's different for a wide receiver like ray ray mcleod um even though he's a freshman uh than it is for an offensive lineman like Crowder um, to just get in the flow of things. Um, so being out, I think, takes more more of a toll on an offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Like, I would expect Mike Williams, if he could come back for the Wake Forest game, like, to not miss a beat, even having not played out there. Uh, so I'm not so much worried about McLeod and Crowder, upperclassmen. Um, I think it'll be fine. But, sure. you know, listen, rest those guys, get them healthy, and, and get them back for when we need them the most. Fair enough. I mean, it's something we're we're going to look forward to here is, does this mean that uh, Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, keep this more of a balanced offense, you know, with some of the challenges that we're seeing on the O-line? Um, maybe it won't be a challenge. Maybe, you know, for Morgan and Maverick Morris will have another week under their belts, gel as a unit, and we can, we can maintain the balance there. But um, with Gallman being a little bit banged up, I'll be curious to see what our run-pass ratio looks like coming out of this game. Yeah, you know, I would probably expect to see less running up the middle uh, just because I think with the replacements of the offensive line that that's going to be a little bit of a weakness and maybe start to see some of the tight ends in there more uh, to help with the pass blocking. So, again, you know, that, that plays right uh, well into to Brooks's, uh hands and his abilities. Um, you know, overall, Wake Forest is a defense. They're actually ranked 23rd in total defense on the season. Um, although I think part of that goes into the, the schedule that they played. Uh, bad tackling has still been an issue for them, and they don't turn they don't turn you over. Only seven turnovers on the year, so I don't think 
uh, that should be an issue. Clemson hasn't been bad with fumbling this year. Watson, you know, had some interceptions early on. Hasn't been as much of an issue lately. So, yeah, you know, I, I think we keep the foot on the gas pedal in this game. I, I think because of the chatter about whether or not we're still number one, I know you just want to get into the college football playoff, any of those top four slots, but I would still maintain it's better to be number one than it is number four. So I think running up the score to improve perception is still a must-do in this game. Um, so... I, I hope that's able to happen. I hope the defense is able to hold up their end of the bargain and this first-team offense can get in there quick and, and get into the 40s um, and then get off the field and get some of these second-string guys. Like, that's the time to bring in Kelly Bryant and then bring some of these other guys in, um, you know, get some other guys in the offensive line like Taylor Hearn um, in there and, and, you know, finish out the game from about the middle of the third quarter on. Yeah, I mean, clearly the, the goal as a team here is keep the team healthy, come out with a win. Um, and hopefully improve our standing nationally from a just ranking perspective. But the other thing at play here that might be a little bit counter to that is Deshaun Watson is in the thick of the Heisman race. And might we see um, him continue to play longer into this game, not to pad his stats or anything, but um, A, number one, did the coaches, coaching staff learn from last week, you know, substituting Kelly Bryant in, are we going to see Deshaun play until this game is in hand? I think we will. Um, and it, you know, can't hurt his Heisman stats to continue to be playing as well. Yeah, I think so. But I think it's reasonable to, th- to think that um, he can put up 300-plus yards passing and four touchdowns by halfway through the third quarter. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Listen, our wide receivers are, it should, you know, are, you know, the talent that we have should have no problem navigating the Wake Forest secondary. I mean, Peak and Scott are obviously going to be a focus. Yeah. But you're going to see uh, Kane and Hopper, you know, really make, a, I think, a big impact in this game as well and get even more playing time than they usually do because I expect our first-team offense to get off the field. Renfro, I really hope they get him in there and kind of build his confidence back up after a couple bad games. And then Trevion Thompson, um, I'd like to see him get some more playing time if we get out to a big lead uh, fairly quickly. Yeah, I, I think from Wake, it's not that they're not going to be able to put up a fight, but this is their second tough road, con- road test in a row. Coming off of that week, back-to-back weeks, um, they suffered a loss last week, you know, and you just question the talent level compared to our offense. I think they are outmanned, especially when it comes to the front. Um, I just think, yeah, it's it's something that we are going to be able to move the ball and score on these guys. Um, the question is, like, how long do we keep our foot on the gas? So um, anything else kind of when we're, we have the ball, anything else you're looking forward for us to produce? No, I, I just really want to see us put up some some scores early. Um, you know, not you know, keep the first teamers in there past the second series of the game when you're up 14 to nothing, and don't put Kelly Bryant in that early. There will be a time and place for him in this game if all if all goes like it should. Um, but no, I expect this offense to score. I mean, they've been playing better and better as the years gone along. Um, gone along, and there's no reason why I should stop here. Wake Forest again. It's, it's not a good football team. Got it. Um, well, before we get to predictions, give me one thought on special teams. Interesting note. Um, uh, the Wake Forest punter, Alex Canal actually set the record last week for most punts in NCAA history. He has over 320 punts. So what that tells me coming into this game is that we should likely set a record for the most fair catches in a game in NCAA history. <laughs> Could well be. Um, Ray Ray is not not playing. 
maybe this is where Hunter Renfro gets his touches. Um, they, we had CJ Fuller out there last week. I was shocked to see how slowly he was getting off um, his runs. Uh, special teams has just kind of been a, you know, a thud, thud noise all year. So um, I'm not expecting things to change too much this week, but Greg Hugel c- continues to be the bright spot of our special teams game. Um, we'll see how often we're needing him to kick field goals here, but he's in the confine, friendly confines of Death Valley. Um, we'll see if he can boot one for distance. Last thing on special teams, over, under, Lake it, two tackles on, on kickoffs. Two, huh? So if I take the over, I'm expecting three. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, like, I'm going to say under. I'm going to go with, he's going to have one. Could end up with two, though. How about, how about over, under, one cause fumble? <laughs> uh, man, I was in the building for that, uh, that one at Notre Dame. It was amazing. Um, I'm going to say zero cause fumbles. He's going to have one tackle. It's going to be near the sideline. He's going to push the guy out, basically. Okay, I give him one tackle in this game. Okay. I just, you know, we're going to kick off enough. and uh, That's that's a good point. You know, He'll I, have his chances. I, I, you know, he's, he's got yeah. a nose for finding that ball, so. It's true. Um, all right, well, Ben, enough talk about Wake. Um, I feel like, you know, kudos to them with the direction of their program. Um, they, it seems like they found their coach. Um, I know that, um, was it Jim Grobe? He was their coach for a really long time, you know, kind of a – um, leader of that program. So it could be that Dave Clawson is kind of taking the reins there. This is his second full season. Maybe his third. Sorry about the, the fact check here. But uh, anyway, I think they're moving in the right direction, but this is not the year that they will um, contend with Clemson at home. So I'll maybe give mine before we move on to you, and then we'll get Cody's um, voice in here. I'm predicting I'm going to change mine up a little bit here. I'm going to go um, 38 to 14 Clemson. I think that um, Wake can find a way to put two touchdowns on the board. Possibly that comes late in the game, maybe against some of our um, second-level defensive players. But um, I think they do have playmakers. I think that our special teams will give them some field position. They might potentially get lucky on a turnover there and put up 14 points. And I think we're content to kind of cool off and, and call it good at 38 points on offense. Yeah, it's funny how we kind of change our prediction as we uh, we talk ourselves into things uh, going along here. So I'm gonna, I think I shift mine a little bit as well um, from what I had it going into this thing. I think 45 to 10. I think all around it should be a, a really um, good offensive, uh, solid offensive performance. I looked for us to uh, get the first teamers out uh, sometime in the third quarter. Bring Kelly Bryan in, and even maybe see Nick Schusler come into this game. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, I'm looking for these guys to bounce back. Uh, they've taken a lot of criticism, I think, after the uh, from North Carolina State through Florida State. Um, even though Florida State only put up 13 points, uh, Dalvin Cook had 192 yards rushing. Um, and then obviously what we saw Syracuse do. Um, so I think they got a chip on their shoulder, and I think Venables has gotten into them. And I really expect uh, a good game, especially senior day in the Valley. Yeah, 45 to 10. Yeah, and I, maybe I, I was going to ask you this earlier. Where would you where would you calibrate Wake against the other opponents we face this year? You feel like they're in kind of the App State realm. Would you put them with like a Louisville at this point? Um, you know, where do, where do you kind of stack them up? Yeah, I would probably you know I'll I'll put Wofford aside being an FCS school. Um, I think that I would put them probably on par with Appalachian State. I think if those two teams played a game, that it would be pretty close. 
So, yeah, I mean, I think they're probably you know, one of the two worst FBS schools we've played all year. Well, let's, uh, let's make sure we get Cody's, Cody's words in here. By the way, Clemson beat App State at home 41-10, to 10, so pretty close to your prediction. Um, Cody is predicting a 35-10 to 10 victory for Clemson. Um, couldn't be here tonight, uh, but we will see him over the weekend, let's hope. So, guys, we appreciate the, the tune-in and the listens. Um, it's going to be an exciting week. Hopefully one that is not too exciting from the um, from the Clemson angle. It's hopefully we take care of business here, but um, we'll be paying attention elsewhere in the country and seeing how our future opponents fare. So uh, enjoy the games this weekend, guys. We appreciate the listens. Hit us up with your comments, and uh, go Tigers.